Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we catch up with the men's 2019 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers as Mauritania have made it for the first time. Nigeria are back, Uganda make it two in a row, and Zambia are out. Also news from the 2018 Africa Women's Cup of Nations, and we speak to Nigeria star striker Asisat Oshuala. Uh, well, for me, to be honest with you, the game is progressing. You see lower teams catching up. That's coming later. Also, it looks like there's a possibility of an expanded 48-team FIFA World Cup in 2022. But let's start with African football legend Didier Drogba, who has confirmed his retirement from playing, ending what he calls an amazing 20 years. The Ivory Coast striker, who's now 40, had two spells at Chelsea. And uh, Stuart, um, not just one of Africa's greatest, but a global great too. It is a career which started in Abidjan, the city of his birth, from where he moved to France to join his uncle, who was a footballer. He played professionally in France, China, Turkey and USA, but it is for his nine seasons at Chelsea that he will mainly be remembered. He was part of the Mourinho revolution, which brought Chelsea their first Premier League title for 50 years, as well as two Champions League finals, not to mention four FA Cups and three League Cups. He played 254 league games for Chelsea and is one of a select band of players who have scored 100 Premier League goals. He really has a large claim to be the best overseas player ever to play at the Premier League. We think of Chelsea as one of the top English clubs, but it is easy to forget that the Chelsea that Rugby joined was an average Premier League team. Drogba was instrumental in creating the great successes of the early 21st century for Chelsea. When he left Chelsea in 2012, aged 34, it seemed that his career was over. In reality, he had a contribution still to make to the Chinese Super League. He was to win a Turkish League title and spent four years in the US, including taking the Phoenix Risings into the playoffs, a team of which he was the player-owner. Ivory Coast had never reached the World Cup finals until Drogba's goals took them there in 2006 for the first time and again in 2010 and 2014. When Didier Drogba retired from international football, he had played 105 games and scored 65 goals for the Elephants. We may never see his like again. Yes, and the only thing that's missing that Didier Drogba might have achieved was winning the Africa Cup of Nations. After near misses with the Elephants, Drogba retired from international football, only for Ivory Coast to win it in 2015, when he was no longer with the national team. Otherwise, what a glittering career for Didier Drogba. And on social media this week, we're asking, what's your favourite Drogba moment? 
which goal or game or achievement stands out for you in Drogba's career. You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Let's go now to the men's 2019 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And it's going to be interesting in Cameroon next year. Madagascar were the first team to qualify. It'll be their debut appearance. And they've now been joined by Mauritania, who've also qualified for the first time. And they've done it with a game to spare, Solomon. Well, Steve, for me, as a lover of African football and a big fan of uh, uh, football that comes out of Africa, Having watched AFCON for a very, very long time, I think it's, a, it's great news normally when you get countries that qualify for the AFCON tournament for the first time in their history. And uh, Mauritania, indeed, uh, we can only say well done to them. Sitting with 12 points from five games and Angola on nine points. I feel a country like Mauritania needs to be given the accolades that they deserve. This is a small country with just about four million people. You can imagine what that qualification would do to a football in Mauritania and you're going to have a, a generation of young people that are coming up and really uh, you know looking up to to become football players and they're going to be motivated because of the big stage that that is that is set out there so congratulations to them and I feel if you look at the games against Angola and Burkina Faso in the qualifying rounds uh, I, I feel they would go to Cameroon and really they're going to represent themselves in a, in a very great way and that may just be uh, a new revolution in football in the nation of Mauritania. So congratulations to Mauritania, yes, and also to Madagascar who were both qualifying for the first time in their history. Yes, well done to both. And Nigeria back at the Nations Cup after missing the last two editions, uh, qualifying after a 1-1 draw away to South Africa. Yeah, it's it's so great to to have Nigeria back, you know, after missing the last two editions. You know, for a lot of uh, people, uh, they wouldn't believe it, you know, that Nigeria missed, you know, two editions. And for Nigerian football fans, they've gone through, you know, so much pain. And and from being champions, defending champions in 2013 to missing tournaments back to back. And Nigeria had been coming up great. You know, there are new players coming through. After the World Cup, a lot of uh, other older players, you know, retired. And, and, and I think Nigeria has, has turned the corner. For the first time, Nigeria has retained a coach for a longer period also, for the first time in a long time. And Nigeria in that at the end of it all, now they're sitting with 10 points from five games. South Africa struggling to qualify nine points from five games. They have to go away and play Libya, uh, who is sitting with seven points. And um, a draw would be enough for South Africa to go through. And I think South Africa, the football fans in South Africa are really blaming the, the team and the coach for not taking advantage of their game away from home in the Seychelles, where they played a draw instead of going out there to win because uh, both Nigeria and Libya went out to uh, Seychelles and got some good results. Yes, it's South Africa in quite a predicament and a disappointing home crowd for Bafana Bafana in that match against Nigeria. Won't be easy for them playing away to Libya. That match will be played, as Solomon says, on neutral ground. And Uganda are getting it right. It's a second straight Nations Cup now for the Cranes, Solomon. They've been playing so well uh, in the last, I would say, the last three, four years where they they really started building a team and they had a generation of players 
led by Denis Onyango, the goalkeeper for Mamilodi Sundowns, coming through. Uh, and some great players coming through. And, and that group L, where they they pitch with Tanzania, Lesotho and Cape Verde, uh, you know, getting 13 points from five games. Obviously, if we look at the other groups, only one or two teams actually collected that number of points. We must look at Uganda and saying, look, Uganda came the last time they competed, never really got the kind of result that they expected. But I think this second time around, Uganda is going to Cameroon for AFCON to really compete and and to be sure they get into the quarterfinals or surprise people and get to the semi-final. Yes, those results speak for themselves. Uh, Won four, drawn one and lost none for Uganda. A surprise to see that Zambia missed out. The 2012 champions bottom of their group and cannot make it to Cameroon. So just one game to go, 13 teams have qualified, still 11 places up for grabs. Here in Zimbabwe, we're still waiting. The Warriors top Group G, but they lost away to Liberia, who are now second. And DR Congo and Congo Brazzaville, the other teams in the group, all four still have a chance of qualifying. Uh, The Gambia are still alive in Group D, but they need to win away to Algeria and to hope that Benin and Togo draw. So a long shot for the Scorpions. Those final games are in March of next year and the Nations Cup finals in Cameroon in June and July. Let's go to the Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals in Ghana now. An exciting tournament so far, and the two most impressive teams have been South Africa and Nigeria. South Africa's Banyana Banyana beat Nigeria's Super Falcons 1-0 in their opening game. Nigeria then were devastating as they tore Zambia apart and beat them 4-0. Uh, the same day, South Africa hammered Equatorial Guinea 7-1. I think it'll be no surprise to see those two meeting in the final, although Cameroon also looked to be very strong. One of the biggest names at the tournament is Nigeria striker Asisat Oshuala. Asisat has been the African Women's Player of the Year three times. She moved from Nigeria to the Liverpool Ladies in England. She won the BBC Women's Footballer of the Year award at that time and then went to the Arsenal Ladies the following season. She's now playing in China with Dalian Kunjian and she was the 2017 top scorer in the league. When Nigeria were in the Gambia for a Women's Africa Cup of Nations qualifier earlier this year, John Mendy met up with Asisat and first asked why she moved to China. Uh, well, for me, it's not about playing in the big clubs. It's about the welfare, you know, it's about how you feel as a player. And I have played two years in Europe. I mean, I don't feel like I'm a professional footballer. Talking about the environment, talking about the qualities of stuff so I see around me, it's not about playing the game alone. A lot of things come with the game. It's my job um, and I have to be happy. And for me, I take pleasure every minute I do my job. So if I'm not happy doing something somewhere, I just have to move on. So I just decided to try something else. The Chinese government is pumping a whole lot of money into their sports development and uh, seeing a lot of uh, male players moving from Europe to uh, China. Is that really the case with you? Are you also moved by the money heading to China? Uh, for me, if anyone says about the money, then I mean, then so be it. I mean, it's your job. It has to pay you. If you're not happy doing your job, then I don't think you will have to give you 100%. But if I'm happy where I am, for me, it's not about the money. It's not just about the pay. It's not about the fee. It's about me. It's about my family. It's about how I feel. It's about how my family feels. It's about how my career feels. So I think I'm happy where I am and I'm glad I made the decision. How does this feel like playing in China? 
very good, interesting, good place to play. I mean, new environment, new culture, get to interact, start a new life with people quite different from the life in Europe, obviously, but just have to enjoy the moment and make the best out of it. Uh, the first round was kind of shaky, but then I tried to push myself and then get into the rhythm with the league, and then so I settled in towards the second half of the season last year, and then it was was good time, it was good. Came out top scorer. It's not just an, uh, an overnight walk, it was something that took process, so I think it was a good time last year. So how is your family supporting you back home in this journey? Definitely 100%. My family are happy. I'm, I'm going enough to make my own decisions, to tell people this is what I want to do. They have no choice other than to support me. I mean, I take my decisions. I talk to them, obviously, before taking any decision. But then again, they just have to support me. And to whatever will make me happy, actually, they are ready to support me. Let's look deep into women's football in Africa. Would you say, you know, the game is progressing? Uh, well, for me, to be honest with you, the game is progressing. You see lower teams catching up. A very good example is uh, the Gambia. You see small teams catching up with the big teams for just one reason, because I don't think we have enough companies or enough attention from the federation ready to invest in female football. I think that's just the thing lacking now. And, but when it comes to the passion, you have players that are ready to give hope. But I just don't think the, the right support is being given to all the female national teams right now. If you have one moment to change the face of women's football in Africa, what would it be? Uh, for me, I think uh, I'll start from the media part because it's how much you give to them is how much they give to you back. I mean, the media for now is getting better. It used to be very poor. I think now it's better. These are the things the companies will see that will actually uh, encourage them to invest more in female football. So for me, I think the media work needs to go extra mile more. If it's not too much, I mean just a little bit much more than the way they've been actually supporting female football. Well, that's Nigeria's star striker Asisat Oshuala speaking to John Mendy earlier in the course of this year. And we'll see how far Nigeria can go at the Africa Women's Cup of Nations. Certainly, there would be no surprise if they win yet another title there. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen to the show on our New Look website. That's planetsport.tv. And our other shows are there. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast. Also interviews with various sports stars, including Ghana's Christian Achu and Cameroon's Collins Fai. And in the About Us section, you can find pictures and profiles of all of the Planet Sport Football Africa team. That's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. And now we turn to social media. We asked for your reaction to last weekend's games in 2019 Africa Cup of Nations qualifying. As we mentioned earlier, Mauritania qualified for the first time. 2012 champions Zambia are out. Morocco, Mali, Guinea, Ivory Coast, Algeria, Nigeria and Uganda all made it last weekend. While the likes of Zimbabwe, South Africa and the Gambia will have to fight on the final day next March. So we asked, what do you think about the results? And on Facebook first, Abli Osise in the Gambia says... We have a mountain to climb as Algeria await us in Algiers. But fingers crossed and big congrats to the team, by the way, for that fantastic second-half display against Benin in Banjul. 
Yes, Gambia's 3-1 win over Benin in Group D means they must beat already qualified Algeria to go through and at the same time hope that Benin draw with Togo. On to what's up now, and Joachim Mudanga is a happy fan in Uganda. Congratulations to my national team, says Joachim. We've qualified after beating Cape Verde. Uh, yes, indeed, that 1-0 win saw the Cranes consolidate their place at the top of Group L with 13 points from five games and back-to-back Nations Cups now for the Cranes after that absence of 39 years. Edrissa Dumbuya in the Gambia says, yes, there were some very interesting results, most especially the Gambia coming from behind to beat Benin 3-1 to keep our hopes of qualifying alive. Martin Jasse also in the Gambia agrees, saying, yes, interesting results, especially for my beloved country, says Martin. What a win for the Scorpions against Benin. We're back on track to qualify. And congratulations to Mauritania for making it for the first time. Lamine Sonko in the Gambia says it was a very interesting weekend. Congrats to Mauritania for that great achievement and to the others who also made it. As for other countries like my own, the Gambia, who need to fight out the battle on the last match day to qualify, I wish them good luck on the road to qualification. It'll be a moment of joy and happiness to have the Gambia qualify for the Nations Cup for the first time, if we can do it, says Lamine. And yes, it certainly will be a magnificent achievement if the Scorpions do indeed qualify for the finals. Uh, Here's a voice note from Ebrima Kante, who's very happy with the Gambia's 3-1 win over Benin. Nonetheless, it was a great performance from the boys for five years. For five years, since 2013, for five good years, Gambia have never been a competitive home man. So for the first time, it is truly impressive. I'm happy and I just say a big congratulations to the boys. Finally, for Zambia, I say hard luck. I honestly expect them to qualify, but I was very surprised with the way they, they, they played the qualify. But I say better luck next time, they will come back strong. Yes, tough that uh, for Zambia. And just to put the Gambia's win in perspective, indeed five years since their last home win, that was in September 2013 against Tanzania. To Ghana now, and Goran Gustav says, uh, You know, people will term some of these recent results as shocks, but to me they're not shocks because there are no minnows in football today. Indeed, good point there, uh, Goran. Jimmy James Perezi in Uganda is looking forward to next year's finals. The matches you stated were indeed interesting, says Jimmy. Maybe even those that have not yet qualified will fight their best, but my worry is how good they'll prove to be when the tournament starts. But, continues Jimmy, we expect surprises, obviously. Ephrathar Kamanga is a disappointed fan in Malawi. I was hoping our team would pull its socks up to try to reach the finals, says Ephrathar. But we were outplayed by the Comoros and didn't match their standards, losing 2-1. If we develop our homegrown talents, we can one day even reach the World Cup finals. But these foreign coaches we have just come to make money and then to leave, says Ephrathar. Albert Kadzombe, also in Malawi, says, First of all, let me congratulate Mauritania for making it to the finals for the first time. As for other teams that have qualified, it's not surprising to see them qualify because they are good teams. As for Zimbabwe and South Africa, says Albert, they need to put in a lot of effort in order to qualify. And Dominic Ompile in Botswana agrees, saying Zimbabwe and South Africa should qualify now. 
And uh, well, yes, indeed, Zimbabwe only need a draw at home to Congo Brazzaville to finish in the top two and to qualify. Uh, South Africa will make it if they get at least a point in their final Group E game away to Libya. And finally, Amadou Jallo in the Gambia says it's really good for African football for a small nation like Mauritania to be making their first appearance in the finals. It shows there are no underdogs anymore on the continent, says Amadou. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Uh, always great to hear from you. And this week on social media, we're asking, what's your favourite Drogba moment? As we were saying earlier, with African football legend Didier Drogba confirming his retirement from football, we're asking, what's your favourite moment or moments in Drogba's career? Uh, maybe a goal that stands out or a game that stands out or one particular achievement uh, for the great Didier Drogba. You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, let's talk European football now. Stuart Weir in the UK still with us. And uh, Stuart, the group phase of the inaugural UEFA Nations League has concluded with England, Switzerland and Portugal and the Netherlands making it to the finals next year. And uh, Stuart, this new competition seems to have been well received so far. Well, it's had its critics, Steve, but I am a fan. Part of its purpose was to do away with so many of those meaningless friendly games that were played in the international breaks. Like last Thursday, England beat USA 3-0 with hardly a first choice player in the England team. Compare that to Sunday, England and Croatia playing a magnificently competitive game with both countries, of course, fielding their strongest teams. Just to remind you how the Nations League works. The top 12 ranked countries are in League A, then the next 12 European teams in League B, with the smaller and weaker countries in Leagues C and D. Then the 12 countries in League A are divided into four groups of three, playing each other home and away. The four group winners go into semi-finals and finals at the end of the season, but the sting in the tail is that the bottom team in each group drops down with group winners moving up. I was quite critical of England in the World Cup, saying that they reached the semi-finals only because of an easy draw and that they lost three games anyway, winning another one only on penalties. But in the Nations League, England have been magnificent, beating Spain and Croatia to finish top and to reach the semi-finals. And remember, Croatia was the team that beat England in the World Cup semi-final and to make matters even better, England has got a very young team. So I think there's good things ahead. So as well as England, as you said, Portugal won their group and they will host the semi-finals and final. Now, Ronaldo was allowed to take a break from international football, but he is expected to return for the finals. Belgium, World Cup semi-finals, won their three games in the Nations League and went into their final game away to Switzerland, needing only to draw uh, to qualify for the semi-finals. Everything was going according to plan. They took a 2-0 lead over Switzerland in the first quarter of an hour. Then, incredibly, Switzerland scored five goals to win 5-2 and secure for themselves the semi-final place. Netherlands grabbed the last place, coming from 2-0 down in Germany to score two goals in the last five minutes 
with Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk getting a 90th minute equaliser. Germany, frankly, had outplayed Netherlands for 80 minutes and Netherlands scored two goals in the last five minutes to secure their position in the semi-finals. Remember, Netherlands failed to qualify for this year's World Cup, but they finished the year winning a group in the Nations League, which had the 2018 World Cup winners France and the 2014 World Cup winners Germany in it. And talking of Germany, the big shock is that Germany will be relegated to League B. And this year, Germany have played 13 games and only won four of them. And three of their four wins were in friendlies. Well, tough times for Germany, but the UEFA Nations League going well. And Stuart, you have an amazing Cesc Fabregas tale concerning vanishing cream. Well, Steve, you know the situation. The referee awards a free kick, marks the spot where the kick is to be taken from with his foam spray, and then paces out nine metres where the defenders are to stand. Well, in a recent Chelsea game, as the referee was pacing, Cesc Fabregas picked up the foam from the grass and carried it forward a metre and put it down. Thus, the free kick would be taken a metre closer to goal. Of course, no one saw him do this well, I mean, apart from a few millions watching on television. So, I'm really wondering, what are FIFA going to do about this? Should we have a heavier or more sticky foam, which would be harder for the players to move? Of course, next year, in the Premier League, we're using VAR, so the VAR could be charged with ensuring that the free kick's taken from the right place. And of course, you know that UEFA has two additional officials, one behind each goal. I can see them appointing another official to monitor where free kicks are taken from. Personally, I think it was quite a funny thing to do, and I I applaud Fabregas. Perhaps sometimes we take the game too seriously. Yes, good to have a bit of fun, I'd say. And uh, Stuart, we could have a 48-team World Cup in 2022. Uh, Now, the 2022 World Cup was given to Qatar as a 32-team tournament. Uh, Then it will be expanded to 48 teams from 2026. But there is now a possibility of 48 teams in Qatar. It seems to me a very interesting idea, said uh, Gianni Infantino, the FIFA president, adding, we have to study it seriously, and if it's possible, why not? And we understand that FIFA are looking at two possibilities. One, that Qatar would continue to host the World Cup and accommodate the additional 16 games in their existing stadiums, or that some games would take place in neighbouring countries. Qatar only has eight stadiums, whereas countries bidding for the 2026 World Cup were required to have 12. We also understand that the current plan would be to keep an expanded World Cup within the current timescale of 28 days, but having to fit in an additional 16 games. The two big questions are whether Qatar, a country of just 3 million people, would be able to accommodate the increased sized competition and indeed whether a World Cup in several countries would work, given the tensions between Qatar and all its neighbours. Yes, we'll see. And after the international break, the English Premier League back this weekend, Tottenham playing Chelsea, Chelsea in third, Tottenham fourth, just a point behind. We talked before about how tight it is at the top, and therefore how many top-of-the-table clashes there are, and with six London teams, how many local derbies there are. This game is at Wembley, and you will recall that 
Tottenham were to move to their new stadium in September, but they're still playing at Wembley, and it could apparently be as late as March next year uh, before they move into the new White Hart Lane. And none of this, frankly, is helping Tottenham at all. Another intriguing game is Bournemouth against Arsenal, little club against big club, except that this season, Arsenal are fifth and Bournemouth are sixth. Bottom team Fulham are at home to Southampton, fourth from the bottom, for Claudio Ranieri's first game in charge at Fulham. So uh, not the hardest game for him. Indeed. And um, what else have you got for us there, Stuart? When England played USA in the friendly last week, there were two famous names in the US squad. Timothy Weah was in the starting lineup. Now, he is the son of George Weah, but Timothy has opted to play for USA rather than Liberia. And US had a goalkeeper who didn't actually play by the name of Jonathan Klinsmann. He is, of course, the son of the German legend Jürgen. And Jonathan has played 28 times for US at under 18 and under 20, but has yet to make an appearance in the senior team. Again, interestingly, uh, because he lived in the US when Jürgen was manager of the US team, uh, he has dual citizenship and has opted to play for US rather than Germany. Well, interesting. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, One other thing I should mention before we go, we've got the first leg of the final of the CAF Confederation Cup on this Sunday. Raja Casablanca of Morocco hosting AS Vita Club of DR Congo. Looks to be very tight indeed, that one. And the second leg will be the following Sunday. Well, that's it for the show for this week. Uh, From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.